trust you. We trust you. We literally have no choice but to trust you. Our hope, our confidence, our tomorrow, our today is in the hands of God. Come on, we trust you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We trust you. systems have failed we thank you that we have national leadership we thank you that we have local leadership but father we don't put our trust in man but we put our trust in the creator of heaven and earth we put our hope in you Father, we just simply say sometimes with tears rolling down our eyes or with a tremble in our voice, God, we say we trust you. When it's challenging, we trust you. When it's hard, we trust you. When it's devastation before our eyes, we trust you. Father, we ask that as we approach your word, that your word will approach our hearts. That there may be transformation in our thinking, transformation in our hearts, transformation in our actions that will bring you glory and that will bring you honor. We glorify you and we magnify you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said amen and amen. Good morning again and welcome to the Hopewell Experience. Hope at home, Hopewell everywhere. We are so ecstatic, so delighted that you are watching us right now. You don't have to, we don't take it for granted, but we're so glad that you're here and we know that God has something special in store for you. Why are you here with us? If you have not already, go ahead and share, go ahead and tag, go ahead and like um, so that others can be a part of this worship experience as we're getting ready to go into the word of God. Today is a special day, not just because it's the day that the Lord has made, uh, but we're going to rejoice in it. But today is a special day because some years ago, a special woman was born on this day. We celebrate the birth of our minister of music, Sister Greta Matthews. Amen. Amen. Today is her 15th birthday. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. God done blessed her. Amen. Amen. And we're so delighted. I would sing happy birthday too, but I don't want to ruin her day. I don't want to ruin her day. I don't want to ruin her day. Amen. But I, I, I definitely appreciate her. She is a joy um, to be able to work with. And I tell her this all the time. She is just funny. She doesn't have to do much, but she makes me laugh. And we have that inside joke all the time. But we appreciate you, ma'am. Happy birthday to you. I hope and pray that you celebrate it and just enjoy the rest of the month. Let it spill over into March as well. Amen. And just enjoy all of it. But today is also a 
another special day because we have made history in the 118 years of hope. Well, we are today welcoming our first virtual members to the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church. Amen. It is literally Hopewell everywhere. I am so ecstatic to be able to welcome back home brother and sister Jerome and Cameron McCaskill all the way from Corpus Cove, Texas. That's right. Hopewell then made his way all the way to Texas and we give God the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. I've been connected with them. They reached out to me a few months ago and said, and said, Pastor, listen, we've been following the ministry of the well uh, online for about the past two years, and we want to connect. I said, what you say? They said, we want to connect, and we want to be a part of Hopewell Team Texas. So I'm so ecstatic once again that Hopewell has representation all the way in Texas. Come on, make some noise with me. Help me welcome the McCaskills. Amen. 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 As soon as the coast is clear, amen, I'm going to come to Texas to do a three-night revival, amen. It's just maybe, just maybe the three of us, amen, but we're going to do a three-night revival, amen, over in Texas, amen. Again, we're so excited, so excited about that, and they're excited about the ministry all the way from Texas, so it is literally Hopewell everywhere, amen, and we give God praise and glory for that. Get your Bibles, I'm excited this morning, and go to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, a familiar passage of scripture, Luke 10, verses 30 through 36. Luke chapter 10, as we continue in part two of our series entitled, The Fight Continues. The Fight Continues. Luke 10, 30 through 36. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this. Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling, that, traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but, 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 uh, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Verse 32, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them up. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. Mm -hmm. If his bill runs up higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the, by the bandits? Jesus asked. I want to preach this morning from the topic, Fix the Road. All right. Fix the Road the road. Again, we're in part two of our series entitled, The Fight Continues. Somebody put that in the comment section, The Fight Continues. The Fight Continues. We are in the month of black history where we celebrate the contribution of African Americans to our world and we realize everything that they have given, everything that they have contributed, all of their innovation, all of their creativeness, yet still we realize that the fight is still going on. The fight has not stopped. In fact, over the past few months, almost a year, it has almost heightened 
some sense. As we have seen racism exposed, as we have seen injustices exposed, as we have seen almost a remake of the 1950s and 60s and all of the different things that we are experiencing in our world. We realize that and we know that the fight, there is still a fight that is going on. And I believe this, saints of God, that as the church, I hope you I hope you watch the Black Church documentary um, this past week. If you have not, please go and watch it so that you can be able to understand the stance, the, the posture that the African-American church took in the midst of the struggle. Right. And just as they did that years ago, the 50, in, in the 50s and the 60s, that we too have to pick up that mantle once again we cannot just be so satisfied with being um, spiritual superstars and having all the likes and having all the shares and having all of the followers on social media where we're not meeting the needs of those that are around us, where we're not speaking prophetically to the things that are going on in our world right now. It does not make no sense at all how big your building may be. In fact, it don't even matter now because we're all on the same stage. We're all doing a virtual church. That None of those things matter with your budget. Don't tell me how big your budget is. Tell me how you're using your budget to be able to bring help to your city, restoration to your community, and hope to your world. The church now is being challenged. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? What is going to be our stance in the midst of the fight? All right. Because like I said a little while ago, the fight still continues. There was still a fight. And this is the moment, this is the time for the African-American church, for the black church to be able to reclaim the legacy that we have let down, the legacy that we have put to the side, the mantle that we can be able to pick the mantle back up and be able to preach truth to power. I love it that back in the 50s and the 60s that when the saints of God came to church, they came to make sure that they understood the word of God so that their souls could be saved. But it was also the platform that the preacher used to be able to be able to give the to give the instructions on how we were going to rally together and unify together to be able to fight against the injustices uh-huh. that were around us. Could it be that we've gotten so comfortable now? Uh, because we've been able, we've been able because of because of generations before us who were willing and dared put their lives on the line to take a stance for certain things and to speak up and to have a seat at the table. Maybe where they didn't see the results of it, but so that other generations coming after them could be able to benefit from their labor. Could it be that we've gotten so entitled uh, to what has been done for us previously? that we're not trying to make the same thing happen for the generation that's coming after us because yet again, does not make a difference that it's 2021. There is still a fight that is going on. If you remember last week, we started with the topic. Uh, we looked at the life of Moses in Exodus, in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 2, uh, where we used for a title that somebody has to care, that Moses took it upon himself, that when he saw one of his people being hurt, there was something that rose up within him, that was righteous, that was righteous anger that rose up in him, that led him to empathize with, the, to empathize with someone that was just like him. But it didn't just stop right there with empathizing and 
feeling what he felt, but it led him to action. What did Moses do, Pastor? Go ahead and read the story in Exodus chapter 2. Moses took the guy's life that, had, that was messing with one of his people. Now, I'm not telling nobody to go and kill nobody. Please don't hear what I'm saying. No, 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 no. Please look at that text through a different lens and realize what I'm saying is there is a call to action. It's not just enough for us to be able to be angry. It's not just enough for us to be able to empathize and to, and to put ourselves in their shoes and where they are and to feel how they felt. But it must lead to some type of action. Why, Pastor? To help bring about change. Moses wanted change to be able to happen. And he used his place of influence, having gone to the best of the schools, having experienced the best of the languages. He used his place of influence to help bring about change. Don't you never think for a second that because you have made it, because you have your degree, because you have your job, because you have your house, because you got your spouse and your two kids and your dog named Spanky that you have already made it. No, there is still yet some fighting that has to happen so that you can be able to ensure that those that are coming behind you can be able to have the same rights and even more that you've had. So never take your place of influence for granted. Well, it's selfishness where you're using it for yourself, not considering anybody else at all. Somebody has to care. Thought about that text from Exodus chapter 2. We're making our way to Luke chapter 10. Just kind of recapping a little bit just in case you didn't watch last week. Thought about that text for a second. That out of everybody that was around and saw the brother being beat up, how come nobody else said anything? How come Moses was the only one that got angry about it? How come Moses was the only one that empathized about it? How come Moses was the only one that showed action? How come no one else rallied behind Moses and what he saw, rallied behind Moses and what was going on? How come nobody else cared? It's sad that we live in a world now that folks will see something and walk past like they never saw anything. That we will hear something and walk right past and act like we didn't hear anything, but yet still we will go and indirectly hit it on social media or go and gossip about it, but never, but never get to a place to be able to talk with the right people and share with the right people so that there can be a change in the system. Somebody has to care and that somebody has to be you and I. It's not enough for us, saints of God, as the church to be concerned about their souls. Absolutely, we have to be concerned about their souls. But if they're broke, if they're hungry, if they're messed up, if they're jacked up, if they're experiencing injustices in their life, it's not just enough for them to have their souls saved and have a guaranteed ticket to heaven, but living on hell on earth right here. All right. Not enough to hear it. And to just say that we're going to pray about it. Yes, we're going to pray about a man and woman of God, but we're going to pray that God will lead us to some strategy, that God will lead us to some solution to help alleviate the pain that you're experiencing. Don't you dare talk about, oh, man, these teachers, oh, they just pick on my son um, because uh, they just pick on my son because he's black. They just pick on my daughter because she's black. I'm so sick of them MS and you all on Facebook cutting up and cursing doing all this other stuff. But you have never been to a school board meeting. You have never gone to the principal of the school and talked to the principal. You've never met with a school board member to bring up your issues. Right. But you don't tell Facebook all about it. Oh, and Facebook ain't going to 
will do nothing for you but screenshot your stuff and make you look like a fool because you've been cursing, but you misspelled your curse words. You've gone to everybody and said everything, but you have not gone to the right sources to be able to bring some alleviation to the pain that you may be experiencing. Oh, we could talk, we could talk a good game, but we never talk to the right people in power. We're never pulling up our church seat and have a seat at the table and make sure that we have representation, but not just representation, but that we're opening up our mouths and speaking truth to power. Even if that means I won't be popular, even if that means you're going to isolate me, I'm going to abuse my voice to speak for those that are voiceless. So here it is in our text in Luke chapter 10. The question is asked by an expert of the law. (laughs) He knows the word. He knows the law. He knows it very well and fine. But he's trying to trip Jesus up and trying to see what Jesus' response is going to be. But I love Jesus. He's so wise. He's so wise. He's so smart. All that he does to be able to trip somebody else up, he brings in a story. He brings in a parable. Jesus is the greatest storyteller. That's why I tell every preacher, be like Jesus. Teach like Jesus. Preach like Jesus. Jesus loved telling stories. He used stories to be able to illustrate a point that will bring the person in. And once he brought the person in, he will end it with a question to put the responsibility back on them question so many people's religious theology the uh, religious theology to find out the issues of their hearts mm-hmm. somebody asked the question teacher what do i do to inherit eternal life you got to read verse 25 through 30 to be able to get the full context. I told you, you got to be able just to get the whole context of what's going on. And they're not asking about how, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? They're trying to figure out, okay, I know I'll be able to get to heaven, but I want the rewards. I want the rewards. I want all of those things that come along with it that I can be able to experience here right now on earth. And the man answered, Jesus asked him, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and you and love your neighbor as yourself right Jesus told him do this and you will live then the man goes on to say and the man wanted to justify his actions then he says he asked Jesus okay then who is my neighbor He's asking the question, who is my neighbor? Because he's tra- he's looking for loopholes right. to be able to disqualify those that he really don't want to love. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like some evangelicals right now that were looking for loopholes to be able to find, even though Jesus says, love all your neighbors with all your heart and with all your mind and to love your neighbors as yourself. They're looking for loopholes. Well, can I be able to cut a corner and not love this person because they're black? Can I find another corner and go around this way and not love this person because they're a woman and they're a woman of color? They're looking for loopholes, and Jesus is challenging their hearts. What does Jesus do? Come on, preachers and teachers. Teach like Jesus. Preach like Jesus. Jesus tells a story mm-hmm. to be able to get his point across, which leads us to Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Here's what Jesus says. He starts with the story. He says there was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. Mm -hmm. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Mm -hmm. I found a quote 
by the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that helps open up this text and helps us see this text from a different perspective that I can be honest and say that I never saw it from. Here's what he says. He says, a true transformation of values will cause us to question the fairness of many of our policies. On one hand, we're called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will only be an initial act. Please hear me. One day, we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. True compassion is more than just flipping a coin to a beggar. It comes to see that an edifice which produces beggars needs reconstruction. Ooh, all right. So in other words, the challenge to us today in the 21st century in 2021 is this. The challenge is not just helping one person recover. The challenge is for us to fix the roles to help the masses recover. Let me say it again. The challenge for us today is not just to give a benevolence to one person that's struggling with paying their bills and, and financial stewardship and being good with their money. The challenge is for us to be able to reconstruct the system and to teach people financial stewardship so that they will know how to be able to deal with their money and pay their bills on time and put money in the their savers account. The challenge for us today is not just to help one kid read. The challenge for us today is not just to preserve the life of one person. The challenge for us today is to be able to transform and reconstruct the role and the systems to bring down the systems that are horrible and to reconstruct the systems and build a new system so that the masses of lives can be recovered. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. He goes on to say that as he's on the Jericho Road, and you have to understand something uh, about the Jericho Road. This was a road known to be dangerous. They told people, if you're going to travel the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, you don't travel it by yourself because of the road being so narrow and the ways being so windy. There are bandits, there are robbers that will hide in the midst of the rigs, and they will wait for people to come through. It was known to be a trail where people would be able to trade goods and military personnel. So they were waiting for people to be able to come through because they wouldn't see them. Uh -huh. They would jump out, grab them, beat them, rob them, and go on their way. Robbers hid, hid in the sloop, and, and, and robbers hid in the midst of the winding way. The road, get this y'all, was so narrow that if a victim was lying there and if you was walking past, you would deliberately and intentionally have to walk over them in order to go on your way. He's lying there, half dead, beaten up. The place is dry. There is no moisture. There is no, there, there was no local gas station around the way. There is no help in sight. He's there. The bandits have done their jobs. They've intentionally left the man there to die. And knowing there would be no help coming anytime soon. But then the, 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 the story gets interesting in verse 31. Look at it. It says, by chance, a priest came through 
But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and he passed him by. What? A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by to the other side. Wait a minute now, preacher, did you just tell me that the preacher and the preacher's assistant, the priest, the one that interpreted the law, the one that maintained the temple, and the temple assistant, the one that assisted the priest in his duties in the temple. You mean to tell me the pastor and the assistant pastor are walking on this narrow road coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, mm -hmm. and they see the man lying there. The priest looks at him. He comes blown away. He sees the man lying there. He crossed over, steps over him and crossed over to the other side to pass by. Mm -hmm. And now the temple assistant come along the way. He walks over to the man that's there. He looks at him, steps over him, and going along his way. Absolutely, that's what they do. There are some, there are some, there are some commentators that say that it's the man's fault that he's there. That he should not have gone on the road to Jerusalem, to Jericho, all by himself. That he should have known about the danger that could have happened to him while he was on that road. That he should have traveled in a pack to ensure his safety and the safety of others. Whether, whether he knew that or not, yet still, this brother should have been able to take that ride from, Jer from, from Jerusalem to Jericho without ever being harmed at all. But it's even more of a disgrace that the priest and the temple assistant sees him and they do absolutely nothing oh some people say that maybe 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 pastor maybe 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 they were running late to get to the temple to do their duties and they just didn't have time to be able to stop Maybe, Pastor, maybe maybe they were on their way back from the temple trying to get home and they didn't have time to stop. They had to get home to get to their wives and get to their children and get to their responsibilities at home. Maybe when they saw the brother, they said, oh, man, I, see what I got? I, I ain't got nothing to give them since I ain't got. Y'all know how we do when you come out of McDonald's here uh, in Carbondale and you have someone right there sitting at the corner and you try to make eye contact with them because you know you ain't got nothing to give them. You don't want to look at them. You put, you're trying to go the other way. When you're coming out of McDonald's, they tell you not to go left, but you have to go right. But you go ahead and go left anyway so that you can be able to ignore the baggers on the corner because you don't want to deal with them. This is exactly what they did. Maybe they didn't have any loose change to be able to give the brother. Maybe they didn't have the church card to be able to tell them to call the church and one of the trustees will help him and give him benevolence. Whatever the excuse may be, they did absolutely nothing to be able to help this brother. This is why this is such a disgrace because the very ones that should have been demonstrating mercy and compassion were the very two that did it. absolutely nothing. Pastor, what do you mean? It is the religious folks that can be able to quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelations that are sometimes the most compassionless and the most merciless, the ones that have no love at all, no compassion, no kindness, nothing at all to be able to give. Here it is, saints of God. Excuses, whatever they may be, never fixes anything at all. Right. In fact, all in fact, all that excuses do is prolong the problem or the problems. Excuses never fix anything at all. If it does one thing and one thing only, it will it will only prolong the problem and the issue. Why is it that these brothers are missing a ministry opportunity 
as they're on their way to the temple to church, they miss being the church. Oh, and the truth of the matter is, saints of God, that so many of us, even in this high-tech church now, even in this high-tech world now, that we will be on our way to church and we will miss ministry moments. Why? Because we don't want to be bothered. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to get caught up in nobody else's stuff. We don't have time. We don't want to give up our resources. We don't want to give up our energy to do anything, but yet have the audacity to complain about the systems that be when we have the influence and the resources to be able to bring about a change and we did absolutely nothing. Shame on the church. <laughs> Ooh, shame on the church. Somebody somebody share with me. Somebody share, somebody share an indirect post on Facebook where they were calling for all the places of worship to be able to open up their doors to all of this cold that we were experiencing and the ice. And they would say, Oh, the city of Carbondale should open up their doors. Oh, every church should open up their doors. Oh, I had a few words in my head I had to get out first before I commented on the post because I wanted to make sure that I did all things in decency and in order. And I have to remind them and to let them know. No, it's not just that easy and that simple to open up your doors, even though it's cold outside. I absolutely understand that, and I wish that we were in the place to do that. But however, in the midst of the snow and the cold, haven't you heard? We're still in a global pandemic. In order to be able to open up doors to get people to come in, you need staff. You need resources. You need to make sure that your insurance will cover everybody that walks in the doors. Why? No matter what stage in life they come in, let them fall in church. Saints or ain'ts, they're going to try to sue. And you got to insure and make sure that you're covered just in case. So before, before you want to charge the church and say what the church should be doing, what are you doing in your local church? Are you giving? Are you tithing? Are you serving? If we open up the, if we ever open up our doors to do that, I'm texting you, I'm calling you, and let you be the first staff member to help us do what we need to do. They will walk over to the brother and did absolutely nothing. They saw him, walked over him, and did absolutely nothing. They made an excuse, and excuses never fix anything. It only prolongs the problem. That's why I'm always encouraging us, saints of God, that it just you just can't be concerned. Yes, as parents, you have to be concerned about your kids and how they're advancing in the educational system, and you have to speak up for them absolutely. But please get the bigger picture of it. Don't just fight for your child, but fight also for the benefit of all kids to be able to learn and have a better learning environment. That's why you can't. We can't afford to make excuses any longer. That's why now, heck. Every meeting is on Zoom now. Every meeting is on technology now that we can be able to tap in there and know what's going on and have a seat at the table and have our voices be heard. I heard a wise man once say, I heard a wise man once say this, that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. We got to be so careful now. We got to be so careful now that we're not just talking in our circles, that we're not just talking in our text thread. Your text thread, text thread ain't going to get nothing done. You either show up and be at the right tables and have the right connections to help bring about a change. What do you mean about bring about a change, Pastor? We have to help fix the roads. 
So rather than trying to call churches out about what they're not doing, how about we put our resources together and see what we can do to enhance the Carbondale Warming Center, aha, which is what it was created for, and see what grant opportunities and see how we can, as churches, put our resources together right. to help them hire more staff and have the resources necessary to do what they need to do. Oh, Pastor, you just being real petty. Sometimes every now and then Jesus was a little petty. But he always had a Bible to back it up, praise the Lord, and I do too. They look at the brother, they see him, and they do absolutely nothing. The ones who should have been the definition of mercy and compassion did nothing. Oh, what a sad indictment on the saints of God. What a sad indictment on the house of God for us to see and to hear and do absolutely nothing. Excuses never fix anything. It only prolongs the problem. But get this, you all. You can't fix what you ignore. They see the brother, but what do they do? They ignore him. He's been beaten. He's been robbed. And he's been left for dead. And the preacher and the, and the assistant pastor come by and they ignore him. It's a dangerous thing, saints of God, that we get so engulfed about ministry that we forget people. Oh, God, let me say it again. It is so dangerous. And so, and we, and even, even, even in these pandemic streets, even as my good friend, Pastor Wendell Martin would say, even in these covetical streets right now that we're in right now, we have to be so careful that we balance doing ministry, but not forgetting people. Why? Because people is what makes the ministry. And we have to always be mindful and careful that people, of course, we come to exalt the Savior and to lift up Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. But we have to be so mindful that as we're exalting the Savior, that we're trying to edify the people as well, and that we're trying to edify the saints as well, that we don't forget people while we're trying to get likes and shares on social media. Can't fix what you ignore. You can't fix the road when you're always driving around the pothole and never want to acknowledge that it's there. We're going to have to going to have to fix the road because when we ignore here's what I find out about some of the saints and some of the ain'ts as well when we ignore a thing we have the audacity to complain about it I I don't understand it we hear it we see it we ignore it but my God we put up all these indirect posts on social media about it to the wrong groups that can't do nothing about it. And have the audacity to go live on Facebook and talk about it and have no background or or right information about it at all and complain and nothing changes at all. You and I cannot fix what we ignore. We can talk about all the time, oh, what Carbondale is not, what Southern Illinois is not, what it does not have, what it should have, how come this, how come that, oh, Mary is popping, they got this, they got that, how come we ain't got this, how come we ain't got that. Let it go from just being more about a post about what we don't have and talking to economic development and being a part of the chamber to see how can we bring in. Yes. 
uh, we don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to talk about this stuff in church. We want to bring a separation between these things and just care about people's souls, but not care about the environment that they live in. I just had a meeting this morning. I was encouraging one of our leaders. I was saying, hey, listen, I was encouraging them in their skill set and their abilities and what they're able to do. I said, listen, you getting your degree, you getting this. How about you create what you desire to see right here in Southern Illinois? So how about you take, you got God and give you all this stuff. You're using it for the house of God. Why don't you use that to create what you desire to see right here in this tri-state area? You got Illinois, you got Missouri, you got Kentucky, over quad, quadruple area. You got Tennessee, praise the Lord. To help bring about change. But here's the interesting thing, y'all. In verse 33, a despised Samaritan came along, saw the man, mm -hmm. had compassion over him, sold his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them, mm -hmm. put the man in his own donkey, and took him to an inn and paid for his stay and told the manager of the inn, if this ain't enough, when I come back through, my integrity is good enough that I'm going to give you what's owed. <laughs> I'm tripped out. Because when you understand, the Jews and the Samaritans did not have a good relationship at all. Pastor, why? The Jews did not like the Samaritans. Get this, y'all, because the Samaritans were mixed. All right. They were half Jew and have Gentile, and they were despised by the Jews. So we see racism that comes up in the story, and you see the people that have been dejected, uh -huh. the people that have been left aside, well, the folks that others said won't be used, can't be used, are the very ones that rise to the occasion yeah. and take care of the man's needs. I know, I know you may not want to hear this, but as it is Black History Month, but as a black people, we know and understand what it means to be dejected. We know what it means to be left to the side. We know what it means to know folks tell you what you won't be and what you can't be. But even in the midst of the dust and the mud, still we rise up and we are the ones that will show compassion. We are the ones that will take what we have to make a difference in somebody's life. In fact, <laughs> they were expecting, get this y'all, the Samaritans to be the one to do the robbing on the road to Jerusalem, uh -huh. to Jericho. Uh -huh. They never, they never, they never imagined that God would use somebody that was half free. They never imagined that God would use somebody that was a part of an interracial marriage. They never think that God would use someone that was different than them to make a difference in somebody's life. And I come to let somebody know here right now, this, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I still believe in the local church. I still believe in the power of the black church, of what we are able to do, that we, Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church will be an African-American church that will bring help to our city, restoration to our community, and hope to our well, that we will use our resources and our power and our energy to help fix the roads right here in 
Carbondale. And not just here in Carbondale, but we will help fix the roads right here on the northeast side of Carbondale, Illinois. Somebody ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I dare add to it. Can anything come good out of the northeast side of Carbondale? Can anything good come out of Carbondale? Absolutely. We got doctors that came out of here. We got NBA players that came out of here. We got lawyers that came out of here. Anything can happen. Right. 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 Where we are. I'm wrapping up. Here it is. Here it is. Here's a harsh reality. Here's a harsh reality. The same tragedies and more will continue when we commit the sin of doing nothing. Oh, that's Bible. James talks about that. To know what you should do and don't do is a sin. Come on now. You teach it. We will experience more tragedies if we don't fix the roads. I've seen with my own eyes, I've heard with my own ears at some of the biases that some of our teachers have against our black kids in school. But here it is. Parents, I get it. But it's not enough just to go to the school and curse out the teacher. You got to show up and be present at these school board meetings and not just fight for your kid, but fight for all kids. I'm grateful for teachers. I'm grateful for teachers that I've come in contact with that will take a stand and ensure that everybody in their class is treated equally. I appreciate the teachers that I've come in contact with that will challenge others and call them out when they're blinded by their own biases. Not enough just to fight for your kid. But we got to think about the masses to help to recover. It's not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough to push your child in playing sports with hoping that they're going to make it big to the NBA and retire you. It could happen. It might not happen. But make sure it's balanced that just as you're pushing them in sports, instead of buying them those new Georgia that's going to wear out in about a few months, invest in getting a tutor to help them get better, read better, do math better, and to advance educationally to stimulate their minds, not just their feet in playing basketball or whatever sports it may be. I know, I know you didn't like that. I know it, I know it. But just take it for a moment. It's going to heal in a minute. It's not enough. Not enough. Just to talk a good game. But we got to fix the road, y'all. We got to fix the roads. Where there's a need, there's a ministry. Where there's a need, 
there's a ministry. I want to invite somebody to partner with me in being a part of our social justice team. I put this out there last week, gave my email, I was excited. Ain't nobody emailed me nothing. I need you to email me this week. I need you to partner along with me. I can't attend every meeting. But as a church, as a team, we can have somebody attending nine, school district 95 board meeting, 165 board meeting, city council meetings, so that we have a pulse about what's going on in our city and in our community. And then once we know what the pulse is, we can pray, God, how do we move? What do we do? Whether it be partnership, whether it be endeavors, whether, whether it be we see an assignment that we can be able to fulfill and complete. Not enough for us just to take the world and be excited about it. We got to do something with what we get. Our vision says, help to our city, restoration to our community, hope to our world. You see the order in that? We want to bring hope to our world, but we can't bypass bringing hope to our world that we miss bringing help to our city and restoration to our community. We got to do ministry right where, right where we are. School board elections coming up in April. Early registration. Early voting starts this Thursday. Had a panel this past Friday. I hope you watched it. Team Hopewood members have no excuse for not. Information was given to you. So that we are aware and knowing where these candidates stand. They can talk a good game. They can talk real good in the panels. But ensuring that when they're put into office, you do what you say. And here it is. God is so good. You got, you got, you, you, you got receipts to show them. You said this on February the 19th. And you ain't did it. What's up? Being a part of different commissions that the city has, being a part of county commissions, using our spirit influence to help bring a change right where we are. Please, please, ma'am, please, sir, don't disconnect social justice from the Bible. It's all there, and we just read it today. So this is how you apply this word that you just received today. Email me at pastorswims at hopewellmb.org. Pastor, what do I need to do? Listen, I don't even care. You may, listen, we get, now we, we got a second campus over there in Texas. Listen, some of the McCaskills in Texas, listen, you could be a part of this. Attend the meetings. Give us the information. We'll work it out. And you will still be helping your church all the way from Texas to live out our vision. It's not just enough to do the initial act that Dr. King said. But we got to help fix the roads for the masses. For the masses. Yeah, people need salvation. Yeah, they need to be saved. But they also have some other needs. Issues that we can be able to help alleviate. Can't do it all. Please, ma'am, I know that. Please, sir, I understand that. But we can do something. We can do something.
your help, your partnership together can help us turn this world upside down, turn this city, turn this community upside down. God has given us influence. We want to use that influence to bring him glory, to bring him honor, that he will get the credit, not us, but that he will get the credit and the glory. If you're watching right now, listen, my first challenge is to you, my first question to you, are you saved? Do you know the Lord as your redeemer? If not, I want to invite you today that you ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life. And just say, Lord, I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. Lord, I, I'm tired of trying to run my own life by myself. I'm destroying it while trying to fix it. Once you invite him in, man, he'll make a difference. Jesus has made the difference in my life. He's the one that's making the difference in my life.